That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to How to Survive with Danielle and Christine, the show that teaches you how to survive the stuff that can kill you. Like a locust swarm? Uh, a molasses flood? No thanks. Or crowd crush. Mm. Mm -hmm. And the stuff that just makes you wish you were dead. Like marsupial tails. <laughs> Why did it make you laugh so much I the way know. I said it? It was just silly. Sanitized scissors. Mm -hmm. And a soul-crushing job. Oof. You know what? what? I'm glad this is not a soul-crushing job. No, it's the best. You know what else isn't soul-crushing? Our theme song. How to Survive with Danielle and Christine. I'm Danielle, and that's Christine, and she's, I don't know, getting into a zen state? I was doing that a, what's happening? a little meditation. Okay. I feel like we need to align our chakras before we begin. Right, so and I was... then I ruined that by just laughing in your face. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm happy good. that uh, Garen is drinking something other than Celsius. 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 I saw the I saw the Celsius commercial, and oh. it's like all these active people skiing <laughs> down the mountains, just drinking Celsius at the bottom. And I was like, that is the least likely way that people use Celsius. <laughs> and then it's just a shot of Garen playing video games. Yeah, I was like, Celsius should just be like every person is, uh, you know. At their console. <laughs> right. With, with an affliction shirt on. <laughs> Is that still a thing? Do you still people still wear those? It's probably coming back. And they're yeah. just like, join my Twitch. Is that what it's called? Twitch? Yeah. Oh, my God. I got that yeah. right. Yeah. So I'm glad you're drinking green tea. Thank you. And Danielle has a bird on her shirt. I do. This is the second one with the bird. So, yeah. I mean, I think. Put a bird on it. I think it's really your thing. It's weird because I don't like birds. I don't have a thing for birds. It doesn't hit you yet? It happens as you age. You know, you get more interested <laughs> in birds. 
first you stop getting your period yeah. and then you start you're like having an interest in is birds that, like i was like wait is that a woodpecker like i'm i seriously couldn't care less you're gonna it's ca- it's really? gonna happen i don't know man yeah, i just I think don't so. Um, Garen has a story for us. Now, he's already told it on Never Not Funny, but I didn't get to hear it yet. So I think you're going to be interested in this. I feel like I might have seen a photo. And I want to hear. Yes, please tell me. So Tuesday night, we had a live Never Not Funny at Flappers. Um, I came home, took the dogs out. As I was coming back in, I happened to glance towards my pool. The building pool is on my pool. I don't know. Um, and there was something swimming in it. I'm like, what the, f- is that a, like, I thought it was a rat. It okay. looked just like a rat. Rats doing laps. Yeah, exactly. And I, I was like, what? I kind of got a little bit closer because I didn't want my dogs to see it because they would have gone. Bananas. Right. Um, I saw like it had a white face and I was like, oh, that's, that's a possum. So I took them upstairs really quick. I grabbed a towel. I came back downstairs and I, there's a video. I don't know if you guys saw the video. I didn't. Oh, I, you have to watch the video. I'm going to watch yeah. that You have to video. link to it, too. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah, I'll send it. I can send it to you. Um, so I get down in, in like near where the stairs are, and I just put my hand out, and this little guy is just swimming around, and he comes up and he grabs, like, grabs my finger. Oh, my God. With his little paws, Tiny he grabs pink. me. Like, they, they have, like, little hands, yes, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. raccoons Like, little do. people hands. Little people hands. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah he cute. grabs me, and then I just kind of just pull him in, pull him out, and I set him down, and he's just, like, smelling my finger. I have to tell you, Garen was so sweet with this possum. It is adorable. <laughs> it's really sweet. Yeah, I was talking and to him. Yeah, was... I can't believe, just sorry to interrupt you, no. but, you know, I would have absolutely freaked out. There's no way I would have barehanded tried to rescue a possum. Like, this guy, yeah. props. Uh, I knew... That, that possums don't nest, no, don't usually bite. They're not aggressive like that. They're, uh-huh. they're, they'll just flop over. I play play possum. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I wasn't. If it was a rat, I, I don't. A, I yeah. don't know if I would have been in the situation. No, 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 no. I definitely would have been touching it or helping it or not. I mean, I kind of would have put something in there to get it out. But yeah. So I get him out. I put him in a little towel. I dry him off a little bit. And then, <laughs> you don't see this in the video. I'm wandering around my neighborhood. What do I do? Like, what do I do? I'm calling everybody I know. I don't know what to do with this thing. What do I do with this uh, possum? I'm just looking for a possum to, like, give him, give him to. Hey, you lost right. your uh, possum. You lost your possum, baby. I couldn't find him anywhere. You didn't pos- do the possum call? I, I should have. Oh, oh. Oh, yeah, I did that. And oh. it just looked at me funny. Yeah. And then I did the Arsenio Hall thing. It, nothing worked. Um, That's a dog pound. That's for dogs, oh, not shit. possums. No wonder. Yeah. Man, I did have a bunch of dogs following me. Oh, they wanted to eat that little baby. Yeah, they did. So eventually I was like, all right, everyone's giving me weird advice. Call this person. Call this person. Like, it's a possum in Los Angeles. No one's going to come out here and it's 10, 30, 11 o'clock yeah. at night. Maybe you should have said the possum had a gun. <laughs> yes, they still wouldn't have <laughs> Well, it was Van Nuys. They're not oh, going to come. Oh, right. No. You're yeah. right. I'm a white person with a possum. Oh, we'll be right there. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not in the right zip code. <laughs> so I nested him up. In the towel, I made it so he could get out and wouldn't get trapped. So in you it. didn't swaddle. You didn't do a tight swaddle. Not too tight. Tight okay. enough that I think he would stay warm, yeah. but not too tight that he'd Aww. be trapped. And the next morning, I went and checked on him, and he was gone. And the nest was pretty much as I left it, so I don't think anything got into it. And yeah, like, okay. it wasn't disheveled. And right. he's on like, his little merry way. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there's sadder stuff that comes along with it. If you guys want to know that, yeah, but, you can tell us the sadder stuff. So I after I. Or on the way down to check on him, his there was another possum in the pool mm-hmm. that did not make it. She was 
Oh. He, I guess it was the mom. Oh, she was bigger, oh. but not huge. Yeah. So I, I, it must have been just a younger mom. But I think she got Teen trapped. Moms, in the f- you know yeah. what? There's no yeah. good. There's no good end to no. any of these stories. No. Let this be Unless a lesson, can, teens yes. listening. Unless you get a deal on TV. Yeah, but yeah. no. Teen, like, teen possum moms. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. But you know what? I feel like Animal <laughs> Planet. <laughs> yeah, teen possum. You know what? Mom. That would probably be the highest rated show on their network. I'd watch it. I'd watch the shit out of that show. Man, oh. when I saw that in the pool, I was. Devastated because I was wandering around looking for her. I was like, "Wait, I'm gonna look for your mom or somebody." Or oh, and fuck. yeah, and she was there the whole time. And of course, I run through my mind. Well, if I was there five minutes earlier, maybe I could have yeah. saved both. And maybe blah, blah blah blah. I'm like, but you, you did what you could. Yeah. Too bad it wasn't like Sunset Boulevard, and the possum could narrate what had happened yes. to us. Yes, starting with her death in the pool. That would have been helpful. That would have yeah. been really helpful because I was no wandering around ponds. the whole complex, like yeah. looking. Is she hiding somewhere? And it never dawned on me to look. Well, deeper. yeah, I wouldn't. I don't think I which would've. it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, yeah, she was gone. It was it too late. Yeah, yeah. you oh. did. You, you did everything right. Thank you. Well, you yeah. have to, the video is very sweet, except it's got a very long tail. Oh. It just gets longer and longer <laughs> as it's being pulled out of the water. It's a little creepy, but it's. it's she I was can't wait cute. to watch the video. Yeah, it's. Yeah. it's uh... Didn't I put a ways back in one of our? You guys have you guys memorized every newsletter? For some reason, I feel like we talked about possums before. Well, we definitely have talked about because possums Because of the before, possum yeah. at your house. And then there was the video of the guy who has that really intense friendship with the baby possum. <laughs> I don't remember that. And like they're best friends. And Aww. like the possum lives in his hat. And oh, he, it's a little bit, my it has a little bit of my octopus teacher vibes. Uh-huh. Where you're like, okay. <laughs> There's definitely a divorce happening. Like just go on Tinder. I don't even think he's married. That's what's even worse. You're like, right. maybe go on a date and don't bring your uh, possum. <laughs> Is it like Ratatouille? It's pulls, a little, yes. pulls the levers. It's a, and... it's a little too much, but he's like Mr. Possum. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you guys and I'll, I'll link it because I, I know I did before, but it might've been like buried in like a, a weird place in the, in the newsletter where, you know, you, if you don't look for it, you won't find it. It was one of my Easter eggs. Okay. So I want to share a text exchange between the three of us that ended in some Started in and ended in some confusion. <laughs> um, well, we're all involved. <laughs> I, I, the the little kitty. Well, she's not kitty. The pregnant mama. Yes, was actually Benjamin. in Benjamin was in her bed. Oh, so I took a picture of it and sent it to Garen and Chris, and I said Benjamin in her bed, and Chris said, "So cute. Did she birth yet? Is that a even word? I don't know. Did she birth? Birth? Is that is that the verb? How you say? Did she birth? Yeah, I guess. I so. think you can do that. No, you definitely can. It just. And I said, nope, just lots of sleeping. Then Garen says, because we're talking about the previous episode, which yeah. is about fishing and the um, and seasonal depression. So Garen says, do you want to call the episode seasonal depression and fishing in Alaska or maybe seasonal depression and seasickness? Then Chris says, sads and dads, although I guess it wasn't really his dad, but it rhymes. Sorry, I'm having an argument with myself. <laughs> <laughs> then Garen, oh, he just LOLs. LOL. <laughs> I was trying Thanks, to- Garen. I Thanks, Garen. Thanks for that. trying to- Tie seasonal and seasick because of C, LOL. Two LOLs back yep. to front. Hey, I'm, a, I'm an like, LOLer. Yep. Like Mexican uh, or Spanish punctuation yes. at the front and back. <laughs> Upside down. <laughs> so then Chris says, make sure you have sharp scissors close and sanitize, Danielle. <laughs> so then I write, it was his dad. I think it works. In my head, there was a connection between Alaska and sad, but it never came across. And then I write, 
are you serious? I have to cut umbilical cords? <laughs> and then Chris said, I meant like it wasn't his dad. He had to survive. OMG, I have to stop typing like. <laughs> ha ha. LOL. <laughs> no, she just say ha ha. No, but it was fun to tease you just now. So then I write, okay, because I thought about that and then convinced myself only primates have umbilical cords. <laughs> Which I think is true because... Cats and dogs don't have belly buttons, so I think it's just primates that have umbilical cords. It can't be just humans, right? It's got to be all primates. I don't know. We'll find out in what did we learn today. But so <laughs> I still don't know what the scissors thing meant, but I seriously was freaking out thinking I have to fucking do surgery when this cat gives birth and I have to cut like six times an umbilical cord. Oh, I was just teasing you because I thought I... I Here's the thing. I knew you wouldn't know. Oh, you did? Yeah. You knew I wouldn't know what you meant? Yeah. Okay. I knew I knew what I was doing. I knew it would be funny because you wouldn't be sure, like, what was coming. Okay. And I thought it'd be funny to send that text, and it was. Wait, did you know I would link it to the cat? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, so it wasn't a misunderstanding. No, I was like, she's going to get scared if I send her a text <laughs> about having scissors sterilized and ready. Okay. And I thought you meant it. I thought you said later that it had something to do with fending off your dad if you have to survive no, your death. No, no, no. Oh, you knew what you were doing. I did. Okay, it, yeah. was, it wasn't I was miscommunication. Just, you were just intentionally, it worked. It was just that we were kind of, it was, we were <laughs> having conversations. conversations at the same time. Right. And so uh, I thought it was funny. And the, I was like, Danielle's <laughs> never probably been witness to a cat giving birth. No. She doesn't know that, like, the cat is going to take care of everything. I have to boil water. <laughs> I was like, this is going to. She's already kind of freaked out about what's happening. Yes. So this is going to take her over the edge. Oh, my God. It totally works. Because then I was like literally picturing, okay, how do you sterilize scissors? I think you hold them over a flame. <laughs> or you could just buy a new pair of scissors, but then are they sterile? And then I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. Because what do they do in the wild? They just bite them off. Like, that can't be what it is. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> dumb shit. Oh, Wait, isn't that how you I sterilize I think you'd put them in a pot of boiling water. Yes, but can't you also, I don't know, I always see on shows, like, they sterilize them by putting them over flames. I mean, if no? you have to, yeah. yeah. Vodka, <laughs> pour some vodka. Right. On everything. Right. Just, just I get take the cat a drunk. Of vodka, pour it oh over the cat. God. This is so stressful. Are we getting into today's story? We're going to get into today's topic. Topic, I meant. And we're going to talk about crowd crush okay how to survive a crowd crushing oh you? my god crowd management experts say public safety officials and event organizers should be held responsible for keeping people safe at large events All yes right? that's their job however once a dangerous situation develops there are steps you danielle you garen yes can take oh to reduce your risk and improve your chances of survival Okay. That's what I want for you guys. Thanks. When you're in a crowd. First, you might be asking yourself, how can I even tell when a crowd is becoming dangerous? Oh. Right? How am I supposed to know? Yeah. Crowd density can shift in seconds. Huh. By the time a situation starts to feel risky to you, the crowd already may be packed too tightly for you to leave. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Okay. So you want to look for our subtle danger signs. All right, I'm going to okay. give you some subtle danger signs. If the crowd is moving, 
then slows, that's a sign that density is increasing. Okay. This is according to G. Keith Still. Uh, uh, what a name. It's so awkward. It's yeah. G. Keith Still. A visiting professor of crowd science. What? Right? That's a thing? That's a profession. Wait, I got to call Oliver and tell him. <laughs> I've picked out a new career for him. At the University of Suffolk in England. Suffolk. Uh-huh. Listening to crowd sounds is important. Okay. okay. If you hear people complaining about discomfort and cries of distress, okay, it's just not it's not just the voice in your own head, Daniel. Yeah, <laughs> things are getting out of control. Pay attention to your instincts. Several people at a recent crowd crush event that I'm going to talk about later, okay, noted feeling like the situation was becoming unsafe and left. Mm. My most sort of a visceral memory of this feeling was at the Women's March in D.C. Oh, okay. And, you know, the first one, the one yeah. that we thought was actually going to do something. Uh, I haven't gone to any after that because I was like, uh, why? Uh, we know the first yeah. one didn't do anything, so. I was I, there, too. I guess there's no reason. But there was a point in which everyone, it was after, It was sort of, the speeches were kind of done. And yeah. everyone was moving, but, like, not in the same direction, seemingly. Mm-hmm. And I was near the... Um, the Washington Monument, yes. right? that big, tall, uh, phallic structure. Yeah. And the crowd was moving in, like, multiple different directions. Ah. And it was so tight. Mm. There was no space. And I began to feel very panicked, mm. which is also, I'm a little claustrophobic, so I'm already not that comfortable in a crowd. But this became ominous feeling oh and i also was very aware that there were a lot of trumpers in the same oh, were there? city like oh, because of oh the in the same city yes yes and yes. i kept just thinking like if something goes down yeah we're fucked yeah. like we're gonna get crushed that if could be one scary. person comes with a gun or oh, gets violent it could have been a car backfiring because i don't you could not possibly be the only person who felt that way yeah and so i was like and i remember thinking I don't have much battery in my phone because I was trying to yeah. stay with I was there with Jesse and Todd yeah. and Lisa, basically all our guests on the show. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I thought, I don't care. I have to get I'll make my way back to the hotel. I can't do this anymore. And I sort of squeezed my way up onto like a hill. And then I just left. Oh, really? I mean, it was kind of you got separated from them. I got separated from them. And I just texted and said, you know, see you later. <laughs> Every woman for herself. Yes. <laughs> I'm not marching anymore. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. About uh, fascism, I guess. Um, but I felt like I had to for my safety. It yeah. felt not safe. And nothing happened. And I was wrong. But I still felt better. Like, this is the right thing to do. I need yeah. to get out of this. Yeah. So this is some advice about when uh, you're too tightly packed in. Once the crowd density begins to exceed about five people per square meter which don't ask me what that means or 11 square feet okay so i guess that's 11 feet of a square yeah 11 by 11 right so if there's more than five people in that square with you they're Uh saying the situation is potentially dangerous i've certainly been sure in with more people yeah a crowd ex oh this is martin amos he's a crowd expert and professor of computer and information sciences there's a lot of jobs around Who this crowd knew? stuff. I mean, this is Jesus. a burgeoning career we should think about. For Don't complain about not having a job, you guys. You could go into crowd science. It seems easy to get into. Why not? While it may be difficult to gauge the crowd density, you will notice when you're starting to feel confined, which means it's time to leave. I mean, that's hard to gauge, though, if you also are a little claustrophobic, because yeah. that can happen pretty quickly for me. I can just be in line at a grocery store and feel like I'm 
it's time for me to leave. Right. As soon as you feel like you're losing autonomy, that's the key. It's when you, this is Amos again. It's when you start to get in a situation where your movement is not your own and you're at the whim of physics. It becomes very difficult for you to move independently. Okay. Keep your eyes open. Look for the most obvious escape route. Okay. Here's what you should do if you're stuck in a crowd crush. Okay. Here's your priority. Stay on your feet. Keep your arms from being pinned by your sides. Oh, okay. Protect your chest mm. and conserve oxygen. Here's how you stay on your feet, okay? We, this is the reference we made earlier about the boxer stance. You need to stay on your feet. You need to brace yourself, but also move with the crowd rather than push against it. So okay. dense crowds can ripple, surge, and move in waves, almost like an ocean. Okay. Sorry, I'm so, I'm so sniffly today. Yeah, same. Go with the flow, says Amos. It's tempting to resist the flow or pressure of the crowd, but you're not going to win oh, against this mass. Okay, yeah, like, you're, yeah. like you're not going to fight. Right. Like some people might panic and try to push against it, but that's a so losing So just turn game. around and go that way. Go with the crowd. Yeah. If, you, if it's that, if it's, you, you have to. I'm thinking of a young Arnold Schwarzenegger in uh, Jingle All the Way. Okay. Um, when he, Is he in a crowd crash? I believe there's a crowd trying to get that doll, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Just, just, Be just him. so people can reference, you know, just so they can picture. No, it's a very have a, have a real life. We're all picturing yeah. that movie from uh, 30 years ago. Yeah. Keep your feet in a boxer-like stance. Feet apart, one foot in front of the other, and knees slightly bent. Mm. It's important to keep your hands up. Once the crowd gets packed too tightly, your hands can easily be pinned to your sides. Use your dominant hand to grab your opposite forearm which creates a shield in front of okay. your chest. Nice. Your elbows as a brace against other bodies. Ooh, I got pointy elbows. That's oh, going to be see? awesome. Nobody's going to like your pointy elbows. Yeah. This will help protect your chest and maintain a breathing zone. So smart. Here's something. If you have a backpack, turn it forward over your chest. Mm-hmm. Backpack full of rocks. I know. Right? Stone the crowd. That's what you're going to say. Pull it, the rocks out and start hitting the crowd with it. Am I right? If we've learned anything <laughs> <laughs> from our show. Yeah. It's always have a backpack. <laughs> yes, Daniel. I've got some bad news for you. Uh oh. Short people, yeah, are at a higher risk of restricted oxygen than the talls. Okay, that makes sense. I guess. Don't bring children into crowds. <laughs> or Danielle. Or Danielle. Okay. If it happens, put them on your shoulders. Ooh. Or hold them. Part of my neck. Yeah. And wrap their legs around your waist. Don't don't try dragging them by the arm. <laughs> That's okay. how I usually get my kids everywhere. Right. I just, you know, pull them. <laughs> grab one. With grab each them both. Yeah. Slide them down the sidewalk. Shouting is a waste of energy and oxygen. Oh, okay. Don't shout. Don't use it up. It's not going to help anything. Mm-hmm. Most crowd crushes are relatively quiet as people work together and Ooh. try to help each other. Eerie. It's kind of creepy, right? Yeah. Stay calm. Remain calm. Or remain. Stay and remain. Keep your head up. Okay. For maximum air. This is also important, Garen. If you drop your phone or any other item, like your possum, let Uh it go. Let it go. Let it go. We don't need your phone in a crowd crush. No, you really don't. That would be extremely hard for most people, myself included. How do you record it for the internet? (laughs) TikTok. Well, if if you're still recording and it's faced up, it can just record people. Yeah. That'd be an interesting perspective. But how will people know it was your phone? That's a really good point. Can you get it from the cloud? Yeah, when you get home and you've re- well after you've recovered from all your internal injuries. Yeah. the good news is they're really strong, so <laughs> that's it'll, true. It'll sustain. The yeah. phone is stronger than you are. Crushing footsteps. 
once you bend down to pick something up, you're That's, likely yeah. to get back up again. Okay, Oof. so just decide how important your phone is. Oh boy. If you fall or trip, try your best to get on your feet. But if you can't, your odds of surviving are best if you go into a fetal position on your left side and protect your head. Okay, you're most vulnerable if you're on your back or your stomach. Wait, wait, I thought it just said go on your side. Uh, yeah. But you just said back or stomach. Oh, you're most vulnerable. You're yes, most vulnerable. Yes. But why your left side? I don't know. That's so weird. That's a good question. Why not your right? That's so or weird. There more, Unless there's some or, special organ. your right hand. Oh, your heart is yeah. on your. It's is closer it to the middle. It's really in the middle. But I think it might be closer to the left side. Anyway, that's very interesting. Okay. Something about kidneys? I don't know. This is what causes people to die in crowd crushes. Are okay. you ready? This is this is hard for me to say because it freaks me out so much. Okay. Not because it's going to make me emotional. <laughs> it sounded like I was like, guys, I might not be able to get through this without <laughs> crying. I mean, it is sad, but it's also freaking me out. Many people who die in crowd events aren't killed by trampling or a stampede. Some people struggle to breathe and lose consciousness while they're still standing up. Whoa! Others faint and fall to the ground. A common cause of death in crowd disasters is compression asphyxia, which means you're packed in so tightly your lungs can't expand inside your chest. Here's something. Okay, when one person falls, it can create a domino effect, mm. and people in the pile up may suffocate. Those who escape may succumb to their injuries later. Some people have broken ribs and fractures or spinal cord injuries. Jesus. Organ damage, particularly to the lungs and heart, as well as internal bleeding or muscle damage can also occur. People in crowd crushes say the pressure can cause limbs to go numb. The resulting muscle damage can lead to a life-threatening condition that occurs when muscle tissues release proteins and electrolytes into the blood damaging the heart or kidney kidneys so oftentimes people come out of it their legs are numb then their legs are fine and they're like oh i'm okay and then they yeah. get home and then things just start falling apart why is your body built like that so electrolytes can flood your blood or whatever i mean i think you're we're just not meant to be in cr crowds like this that is crazy it, is it safe to help others during a oh. crowd crush like do you help the person up or do you just keep moving keep moving What's your thought on this, Garen? Do you have a uh, play? The he just rescued a possum, so I'm yeah, guessing he's gonna. I only help animals. Oh, oh, it's uh, like humans are I more think, complicated. Uh, I, God, that's. If it were me, I think my instinct would be to try and help. Same. In, and you're gonna say you shouldn't. Because... No, I'm not. I'm gonna say you should. Oh, okay. Your chances of survival improve if those around you also stay on their feet. When one person falls, it can trigger a dangerous crowd collapse. Okay. Essentially a domino effect when people fall onto each other. Got it. If someone around you trips or falls, do your best to help them up. It might not just help their chance, but your chance as well, said Amos, one of our experts from earlier. Yeah. A crush isn't a battle. It's in everyone's interest for everyone to make it out alive. So it's not necessarily – I feel like if with its, if it's like you're in a boat and in the ocean – you know, mm -hmm. you're, you're not going to be able to help everybody. Yeah. Because you're going to drown yourself. But this right. seems like a different kind yeah, of situation. Yeah, help everybody. Okay. You're supposed to help everybody. All right. So is there a way to plan and lower your risk if you're attending a crowded event? So, I don't know. Is there? Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm going to tell you. I think um, some of it's going to feel pretty obvious. One of the biggest things you can do is wear sensible shoes when no you plan shit. to be in a crowd. Don't wear heels. Don't wear silly things that... Flip don't flops. wear open-toed shoes. Yeah. 
Um, people often step on each other. So wearing sturdy shoes can protect your feet and improve your stability. Very Remember, good. Remember, you don't want to fall down. No. Falling down equals kick, kick, dead. <laughs> <laughs> that was a Guy Ritchie movie, right? Kick, kick, dead? It should be. Yeah. Um, nice. If you're in a crowded club or indoor event, be aware or outdoor of all the exits, not just the one closest to you. During the Station Nightclub fire in West Warwick, Rhode Island, there were multiple exits, but people surged toward the main exit, resulting in a crowd crush that left people trapped. So the conventional knowledge is to take the exit closest to you to get out, but that doesn't work if everyone else is doing that, too. Would you guys like to hear my story. Yes. I mean, it's not my story, a story. This is a pretty famous, tragic one, but I didn't know a lot of the details. I'm going to talk about Seoul's Deadly Halloween Crush from 2022. Seoul? Seoul, Korea. Seoul, South Korea. I oh, I don't know if I know I, this. I was like, how did this happen? And I did not really know. Maybe I just never read about it. I'm sure there was massively wide yeah. news coverage. Okay. Did it happen around the same time of the Wait, you said 2022? 2022. It just happened. Like, it's not that long. Halloween 2022. Oh, that okay. was after. Because that this Travis is recent. Scott concert was recent, too, where that stuff happened. But Oh, yeah. So this is nuts. Okay, so this is South Korea. It, Halloween in Taiwan. I'm sorry if I'm saying this incorrectly. Isn't a single event held by an organizer. It's a popular place for young people. It's an area, right? Okay. Taiwan is an area. Often, so people dress in uh, elaborate costumes. They go bar hopping and clubbing. And uh, it's a lot of young people. And from the Itaewon subway station, the main nightlife strip can be accessed via a sloping alleyway less than 13 feet wide that runs between the brick wall of the Hamilton Hotel and some stores. On weekends, the alley gets busy for people coming and going, giving it a, like, a fun atmosphere uh-huh. where their friends meet up and party. Well, this is how it unfolded on the night of the tragedy. Okay? By 4 p.m. on October 29th. So it's the weekend of Halloween before actual Halloween. Like the Saturday night when everybody's like, we get dressed up, we go to the city, the main area, we're going to party. Crowds had become significantly big, said Park Shang-Ki, a parking attendant who worked across the road from the alley where most of the crush took place. By 5 p.m., the alley was so packed it was completely blocked off, according to the owner of the restaurant facing the alley. Remember, 13 feet wide. (sighs) At 6.34 p.m., police received an emergency call, the first of 11 increasingly urgent calls that first pleaded for crowd control, then for rescuers. That alley doesn't look safe. It feels like people can be crushed to death, the caller said. I barely escape. I think you need to control this. There are simply too many people. Police will come and check that out. The officer responded, according to police logs, the second emergency call came just after 8 p.m. with the caller saying people were being pushed, falling and getting hurt. It's chaotic. I think it needs to be controlled somehow, the caller said. Similar warnings growing more dire soon followed. Just after 8.30 p.m., a caller warned police the situation was really serious. Twenty minutes later, another caller said it felt like a madhouse. It's not a joke. It's not a prank call, they said, adding, I beg you. Things rapidly escalated between 8 and 9 p.m. with footage showing the Itaewon streets lined with clubs and bars blasting music, packed with revelers standing shoulder to shoulder, (sighs) some pushing forward in a slow-moving wave. Crowds are unusual for Seoul in this area, which is often full of partygoers. Some experts have said this may have contributed to the disaster with residents unaware of the danger because they were used to Mm. being in tightly packed crowds. Mm -hmm. So they weren't quite aware that, like, this was a worse crowd. 
In a selfie video taken at 8.41 p.m., 22-year-old French exchange student Anne-Lou Chevalier and her friends laugh at the number of people as they wait in the middle of an unmoving crowd. At the beginning, we thought it was funny, mm. said Anne. We heard Halloween in Itaewon. That's the French sense of humor for yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> they just love funny things. But unease soon set in. In a video taken just minutes later, the group's laughter has taken on a nervous edge. As one girl says, just try not to fall. Another response, I'm scared. Shortly after, Chevalier says they began to feel crushed. She passed out and was evacuated with a photo taken at 8.58 p.m. that shows her being lifted away from the crowd by two men. By 9 p.m. So not even policemen? No. Just, okay. 9 p.m., emergency caller urged police to make an emergency emergency dispatch now, saying a big accident could occur at any moment. <sighs> Several other callers, lots, so many calls are coming in, you guys, and this is infuriating. Describing the situation as a horrible, 9.02, a caller said somebody is going to die. By 9.30, the streets were crammed full. Some people reported not even be able to exit the nearby subway station with new party goers still arriving. Because think uh, about it. Yeah. You're they not going to get there. Right. Like till 9.30. You're like, I'm not going to show up early. So 10.23, authorities finally come to the scene where they saw up to 10 rows of faces. We couldn't even see their legs. They said workers pulled out the people in the bottom row first. But wait, 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 I'm so sorry. So they're stacked that high. Wait, I don't understand. Ten, Ten rows of faces, like this. Like the crowd, it's crushed down. The crowd is laying down? I think they're stacked on top of each other. Like like horizontally? I think so. Like the Muppet Show where they've got those doors. <laughs> yeah, it's Muppet Show. Crush. Or whatever. Is it Muppet Show? They pulled out the people in the, in the bottom row first, okay. but when we laid them on the ground, most of them were unconscious. Oh, my God. The sheer volume of people made it difficult for police to reach those who needed help. Right. So videos on social media, there's so much of this on yeah, social I'm gonna media, look it up. showed people performing compressions on other partygoers lying on the ground as they waited for a medical attention. So by 11.46, finally, there's some news, uh, like the South Korea's Yonhap News Agency is saying dozens of people are receiving medical assistance after suffering from cardiac arrest and Jesus. saying, um, you know, the police are finally there. And now they're saying at 11.55, turn away. There's an emergency at the Hamilton Hotel. So they're putting out announcements to okay. anyone else. Like, go, don't come here. Turn away. Citizens, please return home as soon as possible. And uh, by 12.30, the scale of the tragedy is becoming clear with photos showing a line of blue body bags on the street <gasps> as first responders rushed the wounded onto stretchers and into ambulances. Just after 1 a.m., authorities released the first death toll of 59 killed as they worked frantically God. to transfer injured people to nearby hospitals and bodies to multiple mortuaries. Jesus, 59 people. I'm not done. Oh, no, that was just the first call. By okay. 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, as families across South Korea woke up to the news and began the agonizing search for their loved ones, the death toll had risen to 149. Oh, my God. It ticked up over the following days as most more people succumbed to their injuries. Remember that earlier yeah. thing about that? Um, they don't know how to injure the area. Yeah. Reaching the current figure of 156. Good Lord. So... The prime minister said the disaster revealed South Korea's lack of deep institutional knowledge and consideration for crowd management. And then by that Wednesday, there was an investigation unit raiding local police stations across Seoul. Yeah. Um, the police, the chief of the police station uh, was suspended and replaced. Now, do you want to hear the latest update? Yes. That's been yes, a while. Yes, you know, I want to know what happened. January 13th, 2023. This was the latest update on this. 
They concluded their investigation of the Halloween crowd crush that killed nearly 160 people, blaming the police and other government agencies for failing to take precautionary measures to avoid such a disaster and for bungling rescue operations. The crush was one of the worst peacetime disasters in South Korean history. Wow. So the unit has so far asked prosecutors to indict 23 people, about half of them police officers, on criminal charges. Most of the officers were accused of contributing to the deaths through negligence of official duty or fabricating or trying to destroy official documents that may include criminal evidence. So this, uh, because it's the team that's doing it is an ad hoc group composed largely of police officers and they they operate as an arm of the national police, a lot of the families of the victims are like, uh, this doesn't seem yeah. kosher. Like, right. we don't think you should be the ones investigating yeah. since you're also part of the problem. Right. The family said their fears were realized when the investigators confirmed on Friday that they had cleared the sole metropol- metropolitan government, the National Police Agency, and the Home Ministry, which oversees the police and fire department, of any wrongdoing. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So they're, they're saying the investigators only went after tails, which means low- and mid-ranking police, oh. fire department, and other government officials in uh-huh. the Yongsang district while protecting the home minister, the national police chief, the victims' families said this in a joint statement. All right. Well, we'll be right back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to How to Survive. Christine, how was your break? Oh, it was one of the best. It was one of the greats. Top five breaks. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'd put it up there. I had a... um what do you call it? Uh, allergy pill. Oh, I thought you were going to say a snack bar. I did have a snack bar. Mini Lara bar. You have, you know how to live. I really fucking do. Just every day is just, when is my next bar come? I'm like a, a hamster. Like, <laughs> I'm going to start drinking from a water thing that just goes right to my uh, mouth. Well, if you were a possum, Garen would uh, swallow you. Yeah, so sweet. I know. Too bad. Well, speaking of the stars of Never Not Funny, (laughs) segue alert, on the first half of the show, we talked about crowd crush, and now we're going to talk about soul-crushing jobs (laughs) with Matt Bell now. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Does it feel so, so weird to be sitting over there? Yeah. I'm using Garen's headset, which I don't like at all, and uh, on Never Not Funny, this is his headset. I know for you guys, it's the guest headset. Right. Why don't uh, you like it? Uh, it just is, is new and strange. <laughs> you don't like change. I don't like change. You don't like change. I would I'd much rather be over there, but I, I respect the the format. I respect the the space that you tables create. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the tables have turned. Yes. So, Matt, yeah. tell us about. We know a thing or two about cr- soul crushing jobs, jobs but yeah. tell us about your experience. Yeah. Um, 
the, this we we were talking about you and I were talking about texting about like what what thing I could talk about and I think we both realized like I've told almost every story of my life on Never Not Funny. Right. So and, like, and what's left? We don't, it's not that all of our listeners listen to Never Not Funny, yeah. but it's a, a some big over, enough there's overlap. Some overlap. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I also hate repeating myself. So it's okay. like, I felt like I wanted to bring something different. Uh, so I, I, I realized, oh, I, don't, I haven't really talked much about what I did uh, before Never Not Funny right. for work uh, on Never Not Funny. It's, I've mentioned it here and there. But I was a script reader um, for Imagine Entertainment, which is Ron Howard. And Brian Grazer's production company, right? Um, for for like ten years, I think. Oh wow! Yeah, I didn't know it was that long. Yeah, right out of college, I I I got a job reading for Samuel Goldwyn, who was like a small independent Uh production company. And then after like a year, someone who had been there had had moved jobs over to Imagine, and they like called me and said, "Do you want to read scripts for us?" Reading scripts, by the way, for people who don't know uh, Hollywood inner workings is like the lowest possible level of right. of developing something to be a movie. So like you um, and so script readers are not employees of the company they work for. They can work for multiple companies. You can basically it's just like a freelance gig where you you don't go to the you only go to the office to pick in the nineties at least you would pick up a physical script from the office right. like usually at the end of the day and they would say read this and then write coverage on it and send the coverage in the next morning so coverage is basically <clears throat> a you're, you're writing about a, the script what your yeah. feelings about it whether you recommend it to go to the next step kind of yeah thing. it's like a book report it's like you basically summarize this the script and then the last page you give one page of of notes like here's what's good about it here's what's not right. good about it and then you either give it a pass consider or recommend and like recommend in in 11 or 12 years of doing this i think i maybe did that twice wow <laughs> you never recommend anything because you never want to be on the hook oh for like, i see like uh this is so great like you've got to do it how many people do you think it is between you <laughs> yeah and the two big guys at the top um, just reading this just recommending a script i mean imagine weirdly was not like a huge company even though they were successful and and well known because you know ron howard's famous but it was only like maybe two people. Like I would, it would maybe go to like a like a. St- I, I worked directly with uh, uh, the story editor, so that that's like the like the, this would usually be someone someone's assistant gets promoted to mm-hmm. story editor. So mm-hmm. the story editor's job is to sort of gather all the incoming scripts and then like divvy them out to. Div- they have a bunch of readers working at the same time, uh-huh. you know, that, uh, that they can reach out to. And so I would report to that person. I would I would I would go to their desk, get the script, and then send them the coverage. Were you getting paid per script? Yeah. Oh, so wow. So this is the glamorous world. Right. Of, so, so, okay, let me just explain to go back for a sec. I went to film school. I, I wanted to make movies. I wanted to be a screenwriter. So I came to Hollywood. I was like, I'm going to, this is a great job to learn how yes. to write. Like, what better way to learn how to write than Absolutely. to read Smart five move. scripts every week? Mm-hmm. Um, worst idea, because <laughs> nothing crushes your soul oh. of like wanting to be creative more than like reading everybody else's stuff and also like absorbing. It's mostly terrible. Yeah. Like, it, 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 80% of okay. what was submitted was bad. Right. And I was just like the, you know, I was like the garbage man who had to like, <laughs> you know, deal with the incoming yes. yeah. like, slush pile. Like, yeah. Like they needed to someone to be the first line of defense between them and this sort of 
you know, tidal wave of crap that was coming at them every day. But so, crap, which is also coming via agents. It's all it's coming not from just agents. Like yes. I'm at in yes. you know Wisconsin right. going. I got a good idea. I'm right. going to send this to Imagine. Like Impor- important and, point. Yes, yes, thank you. Christine. So it's still these are writers who are they're represented. They're represented by yes. an agent. Why? Yes. Why? So that it didn't. I shouldn't say why, but it didn't inspire you. Like I can be better. I'm better than this. At first, I think that was. That was true. Like so, just again, keep in mind, I did okay. this for way too long. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, you know, one of the one of the takeaways, if anyone listening to this is wants to be a screenwriter, is do not do what I did for as long as I did right. it. Because mm-hmm. I think yeah. initially I was learning a lot, and it was actually very helpful for my writing. But I, for my for my brain, what was hard was um, reading every other people's writing every day and, and critiquing it. It's, it's like uh-huh. turning on the critical brain right. and developing that like to a, a, a crazy extent. Like my, my, my critical brain was like doing, you know, a, a thousand squats a day, right. but mm-hmm. my creative brain wasn't oh, doing anything. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So like when I went to write, you guys know this from being writers, yeah. like when you, tr- when you're writing, you have to turn off the critic yes. and just let everything go. And I, it was very hard to do oh. that. So yeah, I was just like, you're like imagining what other people are going to be saying yes. about your script. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, also yeah. your taste, it's that thing where that, you know, it's that famous speech of, um, who's the host of this American life. Ira Glass. Thank you. Yeah. Ira Glass talks about that concept of our taste being different than our talent. Hmm. So you're you're still you're refining mm-hmm. what you're learning, and so you're yeah. you're being now your demands on yourself are probably getting higher of what you're expecting from yourself yeah, because that's you're a good point. you're learning all the things not to do. Right. Yep. You're learning all the skills. You're learning what's wrong. You're mm-hmm. sort of refining, refining, refining. So again, you're going to be harder on yourself yeah, when you go to write. That's really true. You're like, I know what's good. Right. And, so and this is what, what I, I just expect. did isn't. And so you're, so you're just, not allowing yourself <laughs> yes. to just right. write a shitty first draft. Well, that's the thing. You're when paralyzed. You, when you're, yeah. When, and also, I was 22. So when you're 22, you don't really have that much. Uh, you haven't formed an identity as right. a creative person yet. If you ever will, you definitely haven't. I mean, maybe some people have, but. I certainly wasn't like fully formed as like a, I didn't have a voice. And so yeah. if you're trying to figure out your own voice, having a thousand other voices in oh, your head every so day hard. is probably a bad move. But, um, but yeah, that's a super good point that maybe I never fully considered, which is this like, yeah, you, 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 cause I wasn't, I was reading shit, but I was also reading good things. Yeah. And so it's like the good stuff. You're like, Oh, I, I, I have to be as good as this right. to make like something that they're developing. I have to be like, this is the level I've got to be at. And then, so, but then it was also frustrating when they would buy something that sucked. Yeah. And because of, of course, th- this is the other hard lesson that came out of this, which I, I think I knew intellectually, but I didn't really accept it all the way until I got way deep into it, which is just like, they're not buying things because they're really good. They're right. buying it because this guy knows this guy right. or like yeah. that's his yeah. wife's brother or something. Right. It's yes. just all stupid. Nepotism? Yeah. <laughs> so Wait, much in of Hollywood? It, yeah. There was so much of that. And then there was just so much of like, uh, you know, uh, hiring someone because they they were able to like carve out a niche niche for themselves in some other way. Like they came from TV or they, mm-hmm. you know, they attached themselves to some star. And so right. like now everybody's like, uh, this guy's good. Cause he wrote that thing. And, and so they'll just take anything that that person yeah. sends them. And it's like, but that isn't any, that yeah. sucks. So, yeah. So, and then the other part of it, which I think is important to note <laughs> is that when you work from home, it's very isolating yes. and being a writer is very isolating. Yes. And so, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and like, I think creative endeavors require a certain level of feedback to, mm-hmm. you know, to flourish. Like you, you sort of need to feel like, uh, 
is am I going the right way or like are people is this hitting the way I want it to hit but I was like at home I, you know I would be at home every day at least would go to work I would uh, well I would get a script at the end of the day read it overnight wake up early write the coverage and then by the time like I had to be in at 10 a.m. like that was the deadline okay. for, for getting the, the coverage in the next morning so I would be done with that at 10. Right. And then I had my whole day, which theoretically is great. Now yeah. you get to work on your own right. stuff. You've got, this is the perfect schedule for someone who is trying to make their own way. But I was tired and I yeah. was also just coming out of like if you wake up and the first thing you do in the morning is tell some a piece of paper that it sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like be creative. probably not a good start to the day of like I'm going to huh. come up with yeah. something. Interesting. Yeah. And so uh, it's slowly kind of just ate away at me and I was just like and I I, I was I just I, I wrote let me think like I, I was constantly questioning my own like what what I what was was I really cut out for this was uh-huh. I really meant meant to do it you know like all that yeah uh, mm-hmm. woo woo type stuff of like maybe it's just maybe I'm not supposed to be a writer because I can't do this and um like but it was that feeling of like I, I wasn't like a Stephen King type where I was like churning right. out 20 pages I a know. day. I, I, it was like a struggle yes. for me. So. We all have to stop referencing Stephen King. He, <laughs> well, he's a freak. Like he's the only, like yeah. he's, so got a, he's something, yeah. he's got a disorder. Right, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not healthy. That's not how creative people operate. I and think like, he would admit it's not healthy. Yeah, like right? that's not, yeah. That's not the goal, and and right. most of us can't function creatively no. that way. But there are, I mean, like he's the famous example. But I yes. think if you, it, like, if you're in, sometimes you'll see like, oh, okay, like I bet Aaron Sorkin's probably kind of like that too. Like, there's mm-hmm. certain people who you can tell. But they just he was a, on coke yeah, for a long sure. time, so, <laughs> so that probably helped. Actually, what? Stephen King. So was Stephen King. Yeah. Oh, he was. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's good Big for time. us. Wait, to, like, I think we may have just cracked a nut here. <laughs> no, wait. Do we? Just so I should start doing cocaine. Oh my god. solution. All right. Uh, so wait. So did you ever finish a script and give it to anyone in the office? Yes. Okay. I worked a lot with one specific VP. It was a really great woman, and and um, we got along great. And and so it was a good relationship. Like she wanted me to come work for them, and I didn't want to do that because I was like clinging to this dream of like, no, no. I, if I go down that right. path, then I'm not. I'm giving up the creative side. Right, yeah. And so I was just like, I'll just keep doing this and and try to figure out what else I can do with my life. And and that's I think where the survival thing came in, which is like. Instead of so, I was writing scripts. Um, I, I maybe wrote four or five. I, I maybe like four or five features and like a few TV specs uh-huh. in ten years. I mean, it's it's not a great track record, but I was like, I was you know, I was sort of slow and steady getting stuff. And, the, and at a certain point, I think I did give something uh, to this executive. And she was very complimentary and uh-huh. it was great. And then that actually ended up getting a meet. I got a meeting, a development meeting with her and a, and a producer who were trying to. I think I can talk about. I don't know if I can talk about any of this, but I'm going to. Um, <laughs> there's an old Don Knotts movie called The Love God. Okay. Uh, or is it The Love Guru? Is either Love Guru? No, that's, that, that's Mike the Mike Myers, Myers movie. Yeah. yeah, I think it's The Love God. Okay. Um, and it's like a terrible, terrible movie uh, where the whole joke is that Don Knotts is like. <laughs> Like basically Hugh Hefner, like he's okay. he like so right. he drinks some potion and turns into like this kind of uh, playboy. It's it's not it's not uh, the Jerry Lewis movie, Doctor. Um, I mean, no, it is. It's very okay. much like that, right? Did you find it, Garen? Yeah. What's it called? The Love God. The Love God with a question, question mark. mark. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it sucks. And okay. so I, they were like, we're going to, we're going to like, they were like, we're going to see, we're going to try to make this into a movie or we're trying to remake, uh-huh. remake this. 
um, do you want to like uh, take a crack at you know not write it but like come up with a pitch and, okay. and come in and and so I did that with with this executive and this producer who was a, who was a writer himself like a, a guy who had sort of um, written uh, a bunch of comedy stuff TV and film and was now like producing and um, and it was just kind of like. I don't know. Like I, you guys, you know, have probably have, have had these situations too in Hollywood, where you're like, you you stress about something. You're like, this is my big shot, yeah. and you're like, oh, yeah. oh, oh, maybe over prepare, but you're like, I, I want to get this right and be perfect, and then you just go in and you like, you're like, here it is, and like, okay, great, uh-huh. and then nothing happens, and you're mm-hmm. like, what did I do? What was I supposed to do? Right. What were they looking for? I think uh, like years later, I think I finally realized like, oh. They don't give a shit what your idea is. They want like the you want you have basically have to go in and perform. Yeah. And I was like so not a performer. Oh. Like I was I was very introverted. This is another thing. Like I, I this was a bad situation for me from the perspective of like I came to Hollywood. It's like I'm gonna I want to work in this business, but I was super intimidated by everything. Uh, yeah. So like it was very safe and comfortable for me to work in a job where I didn't have to be in an office yeah, and interact yeah. with people. But that was the worst thing for me. Like I should have so forced myself right. to be amongst people and like make connections and, and develop but relationships. it's easy to though see that looking back yes. and it's really hard in the moment yeah. to do what is completely against your personality <laughs> right. on paper yeah. it seems like that would have been a good job it's not like you did the things i did like work for you know delivering packages and doing accounting <laughs> right. i mean you were in the right place yeah, yeah. actually one crazy thing that happened in this job was um I some you know, you ninety percent of what I read was scripts. So every once in a while, I would read a book, and every once in a while, I would read like a treatment, uh-huh. which you know, treatments tend to be like um, they can be like two pages, or they can be ten pages, or twenty pages. But it's kind of just like here's the story, but without dialogue right. and without like every little beat. And so I read this treatment, and it was like I think it was it was supposed to be like a trilogy that took place over three decades. It's like different families, kind of like an interweaving character ensemble thing. It was it was kind of like like Magnolia or like, you know, like a Paul Thomas Anderson type okay. vibe thing, but like really uh, ambitious and, and kind of messy and crazy. And I guess you could forgive that because it's in a treatment form. It's not uh-huh. like done. So like, but they sent it to me and I don't know, I don't remember why, but I, like I read it and I was like, yeah, this is a mess. Like this is just bad. And, uh-huh. and so I like, I, I gave it a very like harsh, uh, I, 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 my comments were, were very blunt and, um, the I don't I don't remember the order of events, but basically what happened is it turns out this was based on one of Ron Howard's ideas. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't I don't, I don't no. think they told me that. <laughs> and like oh, I, that's why the character was redheaded <laughs> and a former child actor. I, and by the way, I didn't even know Ron Howard had ideas. Like this had right, never happened. Right. Like yeah, he's a director. Like I didn't know he. Ever, right. I know. I guess he maybe co-wrote with his first movie after hours. What's the one with the he in didn't the morgue? Oh, oh, not um, after hours. Um, um, what's that with, with uh, Michael Keaton? Night shift. Night, night shift. shift yeah. yeah, night shift. Maybe he co-wrote that. I don't remember, but like I, it was totally out of left field. That was like, oh, this is based on the bosses. <laughs> and so <laughs> that's I could have had a heads up on that guy. Yeah. So so like middle of the day, next day, I'm at home. The phone rings, and it's 
uh, Ron's assistant, and she's like, I've got Ron for you. No. And I was like, what? Like, no prep, no, like, anything. It was just like, I've got Ron for you. I was like, oh, okay, okay. And so I'm, I'm like, pacing around my apartment. I'm like, ha-ha, all right. And, and so I think by this point, someone had told me this was his idea. Like, this is one of the executives oh who I, you know. It wasn't. Me. And so, no, no, it was. No, I was just thinking of the, <laughs> oh, yeah, the, of the Russell the Ron Howard voice, yeah. yes. <laughs> right. And so, so he gets on the phone. And uh, not surprisingly to anybody, like the nicest dude, right. like so cool. And like we just had like a 30 minute creative conversation and it was like incredible. Wow. But I was like, I had to like, I had like for the first 10 minutes, I was like trying to get over my nerves <laughs> to course. just be able to talk like a human being. But anyway, so so Ron um, was kind of like he was very friendly and very nice, but he was just like, what the fuck is your problem with my idea? Like he didn't say it that way, but that was the that was Ugh. clearly he was he was like like I think he felt like I thought this was I, I thought this was good, and now some guy I've never heard of is saying that it's not good. Uh, I want to understand it. Okay. And so like we talked it through, and and like I I don't know. Like it was a good it was a good conversation, and um. Did he see? Did he understand your points or yeah, some of your points? Yes, and I, and and that's what that's why it was it was that's why it felt like a positive thing because I think it very quickly shifted into not like what's wrong with it but like what what would make it better okay. and so it was more like he was kind of picking my brain about like well, how how do you think we could make this work uh-huh. which was amazing like it's that was like super gratifying and like all the all the things like I never felt like I was getting out yes. of that job w- were happening in that moment because it was like oh someone cares and yeah. we're actually. We're actually talking creatively, like uh, two pe- two right. people who mm-hmm. care about creative stuff are are having a conversation about it. Whereas when you, like, not to be a dick, but like when you talk to executives about it, like that wasn't the vibe at right. all. It was just kind of like they were. It's like they spoke one language and I spoke another language, and they were just kind of like trying to get something out of like what you know what's like what's the problem? It was more like a mechanic being like, you know, can you yeah. can, like what do we need to what knob you know what what bolt do we need to t- right. turn to fix this and whereas like this was more like a creative conversation but at the end of it it was kind of like okay cool cool thanks so much and then nothing ever happened with that I was going to say with as you probably realized anything, yeah. that you don't you don't remember the big Ron Howard trilogy <laughs> so weird <laughs> so what happened as Danielle and Garen maybe know a little bit is like I I was like struggling and struggling like what do I do how do I how do I break out of this? How do I like establish myself or like, how do I find? And I guess just wasn't making any progress on the like writing my own scripts. Uh-huh. Friend. Uh, so obviously the next step is to start an <laughs> online message board right. about the band Tenacious D and write long-winded reviews of comedy shows. <laughs> I didn't know it was originally about Tenacious D. I mean, I know it's, you love uh, them, but I didn't yeah. know that's what the it started as Genesis a, yeah. was. So I, I started a message board in 2001. Uh, called a special thing uh, dot com and it was it was really just a it was a place for tenacious D fans to like you know find is a, that the name of one of their songs or something yeah okay yeah, yeah. I need to escape like yeah all of this stuff and like the my escape was tenacious D and so like I started this message board and I was just I was just very passionate about uh-huh. about them and just about alternative comedy uh-huh. in LA at the time and so I started going to the the M Bar, which is where Comedy Death Ray, which is now Comedy Bang Bang, that's where that show started as a weekly stand-up show. And it's where I met Jimmy and Uh Scott Aukerman and all these other people. And um, 
I was writing under a pseudonym on my website about these comedy shows, and it was basically just like I was kind of using the skills of reading scripts, uh-huh. but applying it to something that I like was just very passionate about at the time. Which so you were analyzing. I never actually read it. Were yeah. you analyzing sets? I was. Uh-huh. I was. I was kind of describing them and giving a little bit of like a you know not. Jimmy would probably disagree. But I don't think it was a very uh, like thorough critical analysis. It was more like just a description uh-huh. and then a little bit of like this was great or whatever uh-huh. or this kind of missed. And that's what people got upset about. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> com- comedians were obsessed with reading about themselves, but at the same time hated anything that wasn't positive. And it really took off? It was very popular within the L.A. comedy scene. So you said you were running under a different name. So when you went to the clubs, did people know you were the one? They did not. Oh, they just thought you were a fan. Yeah, people maybe saw that there were a few people um, who would go to almost every show. And so I think they were like, well, it's either that guy, that guy, or that guy. Oh, wow. You're so mysterious. (laughs) That that part of it was kind of fun because it was like, uh, it was was fun to sort of have this. like alter ego and like on the site there were the site was just other comedy fans and I was kind of writing those things it was for me but it was also kind of for them because people who weren't in LA but loved all these comedians they wanted to know what was going on in the scene and so it was kind of like a report from the epicenter of this little comedy scene and um and so yeah so but eventually I forget who figured it out first or who I might have just like introduce myself to someone like I remember Doug Benson and Chris Hardwick and and um, Scott like I think I met them pretty uh-huh. early on um, was it Sasquatch that was your name yeah 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 um, so anyway like that was sort of my outlet and then that sort of just snowballed into like now I'm uh, well I, I I eventually I started interviewing comedians for the website and then um, the interviews that were transcript interviews turned into a podcast and then that oh uh, they did yeah for a little while there like that's what Jimmy and I the first thing before we started Never Not Funny he was just a guest on the AST podcast that's right okay and but we recorded it at your house and right. so like um, it was when we when I said to him like hey do you want to start a podcast because he was doing a live um, he was doing uh, running your trap at UCB right and I thought look it would be very easy to just record this and you could put it out and then people who would enjoy it can listen to it from wherever they are uh-huh. and we had already done that uh, dining room table uh-huh. interview at that point. And he was like, I don't think that would be a good podcast because it's a live show. And it's, yeah. But he's like, but but it was fun to sit around the dining room table talking. What what if we did that instead? And so that's. that's I think his first question was, what's a podcast? Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember the story probably. going. Yes, he didn't know true. what it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah this yeah. was very early on. Yeah. yeah. So so like I sort of weaseled my way into so smart, being, uh, being on a podcast with famous professional comedian <laughs> uh, and and getting to talk and getting to um, be creative with them and that was like exactly what I was not getting out of my own writing so and the script reading stuff like it was like finally I'm doing something I'm creating something like I just really remember like it was so it was such a powerful feeling of 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 like uh, like recording it and then doing all the editing and then like getting the file ready uh-huh. and then putting it on the internet and then literally the next day or even like a few hours later you would see comments Response, yeah. of people going oh that was so fair I like this I like that I'm like that's the opposite of when you're a writer and you like spend yes, months months. Oh. months by yourself and then it changes you have to change it yeah. and then yeah. nothing happens nothing happens and then, yeah, and yeah you give right. it to a few trusted people and they don't respond to you yeah. or, or they, <laughs> do you want to read my screenplay yeah. yeah or they're like yeah it was really good 
and that's uh, all like, i didn't finish it oh yeah. fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> right the irony matt is that all of this sounds like a really good screenplay <laughs> it really does yeah. like you invented your own alter ego yeah yeah like got into a scene mm-hmm that's and a good, and, that's and a good comedy's point. always done very well. Obviously. Stand-up is always shown yes. very well in As movies. As Judd Apatow has proven over and over again, <laughs> nothing works better on film oh, than God. the life of a stand-up. I liked that movie, but I don't know if I would like it now. Uh, what was the yeah? What was that one? Funny called? people. Funny people. Yeah. Is that what it's called? I yeah, think with so. Yeah. Sandler. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was one of the ones I didn't despise. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we love to watch people do stand up. Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh, um, <laughs> I, you know, I love what I love about the story so much, which I think also sort of bodes to good advice for creative people coming out here. Is what you did was. I don't want to say this in a woo-woo way, but you were so disenchanted that you instead said, I'm just going to do something I really love. Yeah. yeah. And then everything unfolded. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I do think that is really what you have to do when you come here. Right. Or maybe just for your life. is yeah. like, here's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm passionate about. Right. Yeah. Or what I'm, you know, if you don't feel passion, whatever. Like, what brings you joy? Yeah. What you would do for nothing. Because that, that's, yes. I was doing all that stuff for zero money for right. years. Like, yeah. probably, well, like, I think, so yeah, Never Not Funny. I was still reading scripts when we started Never Not Funny and uh-huh. like did for a year or two after. But we, when we switched to a pay model, that was the first time I was making money doing the thing I cared about. So um, great. Yeah, and it was it that was, um, I guess seven years after I started the website and two years after we started Never Not Funny, and um, it was. Yeah, 12 years after I'd moved to Hollywood. So Follow your like, bliss, guys. <laughs> wow. That's a really good story. Oh, yeah. thanks. It's amazing. Thank you so much. So relatable. Matt. Yes. <laughs> Very, yeah. Well, Matt, thank you so much for being here. Sure. And we will be right back with what did we learned today. Chris. Yes. Garen. Yes. Are you ready to learn what we learned today? Mm-hmm. Interest in birds comes for us all eventually. <laughs> it's inevitable. All mammals, except for marsupials like kangaroos and monotremes like the platypus, deliver food to their babies in the womb through the umbilical cord. Only placental mammals have belly buttons. Okay, so they do have an umbilical cord. So you're telling me all mammals have an umbilical cord, which makes sense because they feed their young. So then what the fuck happens to it? Where are their belly buttons? Read next. Oh, cats have umbilical cords. <laughs> oh, God, I'm going to throw up. The new mom usually chews through, I told you, yes. chews through the umbilical cord on her own. Mm-hmm. But if she doesn't, then you will need to step in and cut it. Oh. You should tie it in. <laughs> <laughs> This you is- should tie it in two areas <laughs> off around an inch from the kitten's body and cut between the ties with a sterilized scissors, crushing it as you do to minimize bleeding. <laughs> what the fuck? You can do it. <laughs> but like six times? Yeah. Or eight. She might have eight. And then get like, put your finger here so I can make a knot. <laughs> it's just a kitten. It's not going to bite you. No, the mama cat might. Oh, but it's so gross. So they do have them. Okay, so I wasn't wrong. Oh, I can't wait to find Mandy's belly button today. But wait a second. So that means all those kittens should have had stumps. Right? The little stumps. Maybe she... she, uh, I'm so confused. She licks it until it's off or something. Cats don't have belly buttons the way that I guess dogs do and we do. They look more like little scars. So you might not even be able to see it. But what I'm saying is, like, when your baby is born and the umbilical cord is is cut, the baby 
before it's a belly button, there was like a little black rotten banana stump. Yeah. Yeah. But you saw the babies soon after. Oh, maybe you didn't see them. Not that soon. Not that soon. Okay. Jesus Christ. Um, In a crowd, trust your instincts and your ears. If you play the Rolling Stones backwards, Mick Jagger shows up to take your soul. I told you. (laughs) It's fact. It's, It's on the internet. If you're in a crowd, get into a boxer stance. You can also put your backpack on your chest. If you drop something, leave it. Trying to retrieve it could kill you. Save people. If someone falls, it can cause a chain reaction. You're safe with everyone on their feet. Stay aware of your surroundings. Know all exits, even the ones not near you. The back of a crowd is the safest. The Love God, question mark, is a 1969 American comedy film starring Don Knotts, Edmund O'Brien. It was directed by Nat Hilkin, who died between the completion of shooting and the film's release. Love God marked a change of pace for Knotts, who had exclusively appeared in family comedies, and it was an attempt to integrate Knotts into the adult-oriented films that dominated the late 60s Yeah, how'd that work out for him? I thought he was just trying to take um, Jerry Lewis's kind of stuff. Hmm. Ron Howard wrote two of his films, 1977's Grand Theft Auto, what? I don't know that. And 1978's Cotton Candy. Oh, those two. Uh, like, who can forget? <laughs> he has story by credits in Parenthood and Far and Away. Parenthood's really good. I wonder if it holds up. The movie or the show? The movie. Oh, oh yeah. Love, love them both. The show was based on the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never seen the show. Um, oh, God. It's great. It's like a tearjerker, though, right? Oh, yeah. But there's no, isn't, I mean, the the, mov- the, sh- the movie has comedy in it. Does the show not have any comedy in it? it uh, it's, yeah. it leans more dramatic. There's Amusing. humor. But uh, is it the same characters? I don't even think I don't the names think are the same. Like the I don't know. I don't, I don't know how they connect, really. It's weird. I just think they just carried over the name. Huh, it's okay. just, they called it, yeah. it's Buckley in the movie the bravermans on parenthood is the yeah, my favorite the thing about parenthood is that they always talk about what it means to be a braverman oh like they're, ne- they're never stop mentioning their last name you're not a braverman if you get a dui we're bravermans we don't get duis wait you're getting married okay braverman's get married like so much yeah. craig t nelson who's oh, the craig patriarch okay. is constantly talking about like being a braverman was what's his face from uh, Sports Night in it? Peter Krause. Yeah. Yes, and he is in his prime. And who else is in it? Lauren Graham, Dax oh. Shepard. Oh. Okay. Uh, that woman who's blonde and pretty and was kind of supposed to be like kind of looks like Julia Roberts, but she's blonde. Monica and you, Potter. Yes, Monica Potter. May Whitman. Okay. Yeah. May oh, Whitman. Wow, okay. She, yeah, she's great in it. All right. I I loved it. Okay. Yeah. I've not ever seen it. You can watch it or not watch Bonnie it. Bonnie Bedelia. She's the mom. Yeah. You can't not think about her with an axe Bonnie in her hand. Adelia. Yeah, that should sell you. Okay. Yeah. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, yeah, she's she's like a weird character in it, if I remember. Yeah, We're kind of like really good. Yeah, no, she's I great. never thought of Monica Potter looking like Julia Roberts, but she does. She's got that sort of the lips. Equine horse face where you're like, <laughs> you would look good as a horse. <laughs> Don't you think they both like kind of look like if one it, of the most beautiful women no, on the planet? But horses are beautiful. But like if a horse transformed into a person, I can see it. Don't you think it'd be Julia yeah. Roberts or Monica Potter yeah, with the they hair, have the hair, the big eyes? They yeah. have really big eyes. Horse yeah. girls, manes. Yeah, their noses no, kind of flare a little. Yeah, horse people. Oh my god, that's amazing. I love it's a it. Horse. It's an equine beauty. That's what I'm going to say. Julia Roberts tried to bite me once. It was weird. Oh see? no, on your nipple. Yeah, she almost took your nipple off. She almost took it. She's known for that in Hollywood. <laughs> All right. 
Listen, this is a great segue yeah. to thank our patrons. Let's do it. All right. So this week, we're going to thank, I don't think this is their real name, <laughs> Angst for the Memories. Oh, that's so cute. Isn't that cute? I like it. Thank you, Angst. <laughs> I don't know. Their middle name is for the last name yeah. Memories. Next up, Amy File. That doesn't sound real either. F-Y-L-E. Oh, okay. Not like a nail file. More like... The Amy File. The Amy Files. Oh, she would be a great TV show. Yeah. Do you guys watch The Amy Files? Yeah, I do. It's on CBS. Mm. Yeah. She's a detective. Yeah. It's on after crossing Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> CBS, Tuesday nights. <laughs> All right. Ready for this? Yeah. Lauren Whitaker. Very run-of-the-mill, love it, down-the-middle, pronounceable name, love it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like she just got through school. No problem. No problem. Lauren had no problems. No, except there were 17 other Laurens, probably. Yeah. Would be Amy Files' best friend. She, I think <gasps> they are. She'd They're be a good sidekick. Yeah, yeah. They're frenemies. There's tension. Yeah. They were both once in love with the same prosecuting attorney. Same prosecuting attorney. Well, like, it's, oh, yeah, yeah, because no, they're, right. they're detectives. I, yes. They're always in the court and like dealing with the criminal justice system. Yeah. What if Lauren's a DA? <gasps> oh, Ooh. and maybe. Yes. Oh, here's here's a twist. Mm. One of them has a crush on the other oh. and doesn't know if she should tell her. Oh, she doesn't know if she's willing to right. like. All right. I hope this works ratings, out. You better tell her. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Sarah Jezik. OK, Perfect. I. I think we could get her in the show. <laughs> yeah, I think you could. She's she's adding some spice. Yeah. And I'm not saying her name sounds spicy, although... It sounds kind of spicy. It's kind of fun. Jezik. It's like, yeah. I'm bringing the heat. Yeah, Jezik. She's... You know what? Let's make her the judge. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I want to watch the show. Jezik. Let me ask you something. Yeah. Is she no nonsense? Oh, she does not take any... Yeah. Garbage in her court. I love it. Speaking of courts, I just got to interrupt for a second. Yes. I know this is a little bit stepping on NNF because you just had this guy on as one of the actors on as a guest. But you have to watch this show called Jury Duty. Okay. It's fucking hysterical. <gasps> I love funny it's, things. I'll just tell it really, really quickly. Yeah. It's on free V. So good luck. Oh, boy. But um, the premise is. So it's a it's a show where everyone are actors pretending that a real trial is going on with a jury except for one guy okay who's not an actor and has no idea that this is all set up oh it's not that's ang- fun. it's not anxious I, okay. I don't think it's anxiety producing for me it wasn't it's okay. just funny he's a real nice guy the premise is that they're filming it for like a show about juries mm-hmm. which they would never do because you can't film no, not but usually james marsden is on it as himself he was called to be a juror. Hilarious. And he's a total asshole. And oh, it's my so God. Fucking funny. I and love him. Every actor is a genius. Yes. They're all like one or two people you recognize, which is like worrisome because, you know, the guy's not supposed to know. Okay. But mainly they're all people I've never seen before mm-hmm. who are all fantastic. Do yourself a favor. Oh, my God. It. I can't wait. It's really funny. I can't wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, we watch Beef. Oh, I heard. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's good. Like, it's good. It's not as good as you wanted it to be. It's not that. It's good, and I also don't want to watch it. Yeah, yeah, Here's yeah, okay. why. I don't... I'm not in a place right now where I want to see two unhappy people treat each other badly. Ugh. That's... Yeah, no. Watch this. It's okay. really silly no. I want funny. a comedy. Like, laughing out loud. Have you watched it yet, not Aaron? Yet, no. Like, laughing out loud. All of us were laughing out loud. Oh, I need to laugh it's out so loud. It's so silly and funny, and... I can't wait. It harkens back to Joe Schmo. If you ever watched Joe Schmo, Joe Schmo, a similar okay 
premise where they fooled Kristen Wiig was on it before SNL. She I was know one this of, show at all. Yeah, it's, it's getting really gems funny. today. I'm getting yeah. gems. Yeah. All right, Gregory L. Dempsey. Whoa, oh, he's mm-hmm. the mayor. He's somebody. He is. I like that name. I think I'm Dempsey. saying it right. Dempsey. It's like Dempsey, but with an A. Dempsey. Yeah. Dim sum. Dim sum. And then and dim sum. And then he has some dim sum. Yeah. Thank you all. Yes. For supporting the show mm-hmm. and all of our listeners for supporting. Um, we're excited to bring more episodes. Yes. We got a good bonus episode coming up. Yep. We got eventually merch on our new site we're figuring it out yep. it's per, it's really happen. all my fault but it's, it's it's all right you've had a lot on your plate it's a full plate and um until next time remain, remain calm, calm.